May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Sometimes easy to think that you've got Jesus all figured out. His defining statement might be, love one another as I have loved you. He is the endlessly merciful one who welcomes the most broken of people to break bread with him. He's the good shepherd who goes out to seek that one lost lamb. The prince of peace, the one who blesses those who dare to be peacemakers. All of that is there, written in black ink on the white pages of our Bibles. But then on a night like this, you get lines like the following. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And then, for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's household. All of this on the day that Jace Falk will stand to be baptized, supported and upheld by the members of his family. I mean, couldn't I have chosen something a little duly more pastoral, something encouraging from Jesus? I could have, but that's the value of following a lectionary, you see. doesn't let the preacher just pick their favorite verses. Instead, it demands that we contend more deeply with the figure of Jesus in his challenging fullness, including these words that are so hard to get your head around. Blood is thicker than water, or so goes the popular proverb. Family ties, family allegiances are assumed to be the ties that truly bind the ties that bring out the deepest of our loyalties. And yet here in this passage from the Gospel according to Matthew, Jesus appears to be challenging that assumption in a fairly foundational way, saying that there will be times when being a member of the company of his followers could well cost you those family loyalties. He's pressing his listeners and by extension us too, to effectively flip that proverb, to affirm that the water of baptism is thicker than blood, and that our primary identity is now as members of this body of Christ. After Jace is baptized in that water, I will anoint his forehead with oil, and I will speak to him the following words. I'll say... I sign you with the cross, and I mark you as Christ's own forever. They are very strong words, made even stronger with this particular gospel reading in view. Jace, this is now primary identity. It was seen quite early in the gospel according to Mark, in which Jesus is in a house and he's teaching And word is brought into him that his mother and his brothers are outside looking to get him and take him home. They clearly don't understand what he's up to and are probably getting worried that he's soon going to catch the attention of the authorities 
and wind up in a good deal of trouble. What's the message that he sends back outside to his worried and maybe a little controlling family? And looking at those all around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. It's another instance of his utter redefinition of all the assumed loyalties. In this case, including a redefinition of the very family itself. Who is my family? The ones all around me who are joining in this new way of seeing the source of all life and light. And if my mother and my brothers can't yet see that, if they're wanting to take me home to to try to protect me from myself, well, I'm not going. I've got this other family He's challenging a whole set of established cultural and religious claims around the primacy of blood ties, in other words. It's why when we baptize someone, we use only their given names, not their surname. Jace will not have to forsake the good name of Falk, but maybe now see it in a different light. And it's not that Jesus is pulling apart family ties for the sake of creating some new world order, the way that some totalitarian regimes have been known to do. Think of China during the so-called cultural revolution when children were taken from their homes at a very young age to be raised in state schools. Or think of Stalin's Soviet Union where the family was undermined in all kinds of ways to create a new social order. He's not doing violence to it in that way. He's simply describing a reality much as he does when he speaks of how he has come to bring not peace, but a sword. Paradoxically, the sword that he brings will be revealed as an executioner's cross. For although what he brings will be received by many as cool, clear, fresh water, his presence will be received as a threat by those deeply invested in the way that things already are. The very act of peacemaking, comments the biblical scholar Stanley Saunders, the very act of peacemaking generates violence. For healing, restoration, and the conquest of death threaten the foundations of all human assertions of power in defiance of God. Listen to that again. The very act of peacemaking generates violence for healing, restoration, and the conquest of death, all good things, right? Actually threaten the foundations of all human assertions of power in defiance of God. Well, you do know that the mother and brothers of Jesus actually continue to figure in the gospel story. They don't just go home and give up on him. They're very much visible within the movement, part of the body in the book of Acts. I suspect this was a source of considerable delight 
and comfort to Jesus, that his blood family was very much a part of his water family, his baptismal family, his body. Well, as those of you who have been witnesses to baptisms here before will know, when we move to the font of water at the back of the church, I will ask Jace to make three strong renunciations and three equally strong affirmations. This all comes from the baptismal liturgies of the ancient church, which means that in a sense his voice will be made one with the ancients, his identity made one with all who have gone before. The three renunciations in very ancient and picturesque and powerful language basically ask that he commit himself to setting aside that which corrupts, which destroys and distorts life. And the three affirmations call him to turn and embrace that which gives life, to embrace Jesus Christ. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior is the first of those three affirmations. And the wording might imply that Jace is doing this for the very first time, as if Jesus is somebody brand new to him. Frankly, that's not the case. He's been a part of St. Benedict's table for over ten years, since with his family he first wandered through the doors of our former location at St. Albans Church. He's already taken part in a lot of things in our community, serving as a scripture reader, as a participant in the music leadership, as a visible presence in our midst. He's been shaped and formed here, as well as through his family and their network of relationships and friendships. And he's already been sorting out how his life is going to be lived, what he values, what he stands for, what he believes, what he's passionate about, what his gifts are. Like, he's been sorting that out already for years. It isn't as if, starting today, he will suddenly set aside things that distort or corrupt, because he's been working that out too, all along, as long as he's been alive. What is it that makes me tick? What is it that gives life? What is it that builds me and my community and my friendships up? And it isn't as if prior to this day, Jesus had no idea as to who Jace was. It certainly isn't as if Jace is suddenly going to become flawless either, or without deep questions, real struggles that go with finding your way in the world. And yet, to stand with the support of your church, your friends, and yes, your family, to publicly speak those renunciations and affirmations, it is no small thing. And for us, all of us, to bear witness and to pledge our support and solidarity with you, Jace, is to say that you belong. You've got a place here. You are one of us, one with us, and there will always be room. 
even in the hardest times, even if you're struggling to sort out the distinctions between what truly gives life and what doesn't, even when you're not sure about things, there's room. There always will be. I might be the one who's going to mark your forehead and say you are Christ's, Christ's own, but it is all of us in the body who are claiming for you a place today, today and always. One of the baptismal images Paul draws on in his epistle to the Romans is that of dying and living. We have been buried with Christ by baptism into death, Paul writes, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. I like the image of walking in newness of life because walking implies movement. Newness of life today, yet equally new tomorrow, and next week, and next year. After you've walked further down the road, there's always newness. So, may you walk that road boldly, with an inquiring and discerning heart. May you have the gift of joy and wonder at what God is always and ever bringing anew into your life and into a world full of wonders. Amen.